Welcome to Diving In, a podcast aiming to explore the deeper themes behind the entertainment and content creation industries. I'm Leslie Mosier. And I'm Marissa Mullen. Let's dive in. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Welcome. <laughs> it's I just happening. did a total Dak Shepherd with that. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Here we are. This is Diving In. This is our podcast. I am Marissa Mullen. And I am Leslie Mosier. And we're so happy you're joining us today for episode one, number one. Man, this is crazy. This is something that we have been talking about for what feels like a long time, but in reality and timeline, it hasn't been very long. It and now it's came like, together so quickly. It came together so quickly. We're here. You're at my home in Nashville um, to set the scene a little bit. I have Doug the Pug to my back. He is so cozy. We're in a blankets in our cozy clothes. And just Super ready to, to do this, to explore what it is to have a podcast of everything that we enjoy and want to put out into the world. Exactly. Leslie called me about three months ago, I want to say now, and was like, hey, I had this crazy idea. Would you ever think to do a podcast together? And didn't even tell me a topic, didn't even say what it should be about. And instantly I was like, yes, let's do it. <laughs> And like we said, within a matter of a week, we had a concept, we had a deck, we had guest ideas, we had a logo, branding. And that's what happens when you put two content creators in a room together with Jupiter in the first house. <laughs> exactly. Our in-house astrologist, astrologer, Marissa. We'll get into that later. We're not going to go yeah. there right now. Anyways, that being said, welcome to Diving In. This podcast, we want to explore authenticity, creativity, vulnerability in the world of the entertainment industry and in the creative industry. There is a lot of pressure that goes into content creation, into acting, singing, in all of these worlds where you really use your creative spirit to make art. And we just want to touch upon those themes that kind of dive in underneath the surface of just you know, the surface level conversations that a lot of people have. Totally. I think both you and I and so many millions of other people out there are the type of person where when we have a conversation, we don't want it to just be surface level. We really want to get to the the core of the person, the, the energetic. Yes. <laughs> and with what you and I, you know, do for a living, used to do for a living, we've come in contact with a lot of people in the entertainment industry and creatives. And we've seen just how much these interviews that they're in are so surface level and it's just talking about a release or you know something along those lines and you and I are like but we want to know more we want to like know what the feeling was you know yeah. how did they get here like why um and that's what we're gonna do no totally and I'm so excited to get started and to dive in that's my NPR voice let's dive in but so before we get started with our episode topic today Leslie, because um, there's a lot of people listening who might not know you, who might mm -hmm. not know me, who, who might not know either of us. So True. we should do like a quick little intro. What's your name? Where you're from? What are you known for? How did yes. you get started? Okay. Um, hi, I'm Leslie Mosier. Um, I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I've been here for about 11 years. And if you know me, it's probably because of my dog, Doug the Pug. Um, I am his human slash momager. Um, on a confident day, I'm like, I'm the Kris Jenner of dogs. But You are. You are. Fully. <laughs> I am. Yes, I embrace it. So, um, yeah, I guess the story about my life as Doug the Pug. Um, I started an Instagram for Doug. 
in about 2012. And at the time I was working in the music industry, that's what I moved to Nashville for. And I didn't really want to make another account. I was running all of the bands that I worked with, their social media, and honestly, the thought of adding another profile to my plate sounded really daunting. But I loved my puppy so much, and he was my dream dog. I had always wanted a little pug named Doug. So I ended up making him an Instagram, and I called it Leslie and Doug. And it was like our adventures in Nashville. I remember that. That's when I met you. So I just started posting, and I realized like, when I would post a photo of Doug, it would get so big. It would like reach this audience that was very thrilling to me. It was like, oh my gosh, like I knew that this dog was so special and he loved being in outfits and we would go on these adventures together. But like it was getting picked up by things like Pugs of Instagram, which at the time was really big. And long story short, because it is a long story, um, I had this gut feeling, this intuition to quit my job. And I ended up putting in my notice two weeks before Doug's first video went extremely viral. Crazy timing. So very crazy. I remember it so clearly. I woke up one morning after posting a cute video of Doug in the park with a pug balloon around his waist. And the next morning I woke up and it had 20 million views on Facebook. That is like TikTok status before TikTok existed. (laughs) Yes. And this was like before Facebook had all the ad things, you know, and it was like truly like to its core, a viral organic video. Um, And my boss wasn't in work that day. And I remember just sitting on my computer watching this thing happen that I had heard about, but I've never experienced. Um, And I had already, like I said, put my week's notice in. And so... I remember calling my mom on the way home that day and being like, I think this is a thing. Like, I want to make this my career. Like, I'm going to try. Like, I can see it. Doug the pug. He's going to – it's going to be a thing. And that was six years ago. Um, And since then, Doug has over 19 million followers across social media. Incredible. Um, He was in a Super Bowl commercial in 2020. We uh, have won two People's Choice Awards. And what's – nearest and dearest to my heart is um, we recently launched his foundation that helps kids with childhood cancer. Um, It's called the Doug the Pug Foundation. And um, yeah, that's kind of everything in a nutshell. But I am more than just the person behind Doug the Pug. Um, You know, I have a husband who I love very dearly. I'm an artist and, you know, just at my core, a person who wants to bring a lot of good into the world. So um, we'll dive We'll dive more into like my life, but first I want to dive into your life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny because your story is, first of all, so inspiring. And to see everything that you've built in the past six years is just absolutely incredible. And I look up to you as a mentor, as you know that. So Mm -hmm. Leslie and I actually met through a mutual friend probably in on Instagram in 2012, I would say. It was like right when... I got Doug, I remember. Yeah. So I used to have a pug named Franklin. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. He was a great pup. R.I.P. Franklin. R.I.P. Franklin. And we, uh, Leslie, my friend was like, you need to meet Leslie. She works for this band I work for. Um, she has the cutest dog. She posts pictures of him on Instagram. I was like, I sign me up. I'm going to follow her. And uh, I think we ended up just following each other. And 
in I think we don't remember the first time we actually met, can't, which is weird. Can't think about it for the life of us. We I remember, remember multiple times hanging out, <laughs> yeah. but we don't remember the first time we met. But that being said, I watched Leslie's account go from Leslie and Doug to Doug the Pug to what it is today in every step of the way and was just in awe by her creativity, by her passion, and by taking the leap. So this episode title is Taking the Leap because both of us have Mm -hmm. taken this leap. And I always see myself like a few years behind Leslie in this process. Um, I actually also worked in the music industry, which was another connection of ours. I worked at The Late Show Stephen Colbert for four years for amazing John Batiste. He's the band leader on the show, such a talented musician. And at the same time, I started an Instagram as well mm-hmm. called That Cheese Plate. And this was account, this is an account that basically I post photos of cheese plates. In the beginning, it was just a way for me to document the cheese plates I'd make with friends. It over time grew into this bigger community of recipes and inspiration. And I create a method called Cheese by Numbers, where you build cheese plates step by step and make it easy for people. And then I ended up writing a cookbook and quitting my job in music to do this full time. Um, But that whole process definitely included a lot of roadblocks in the way. Um, Just, you know, it, it took a long time to get from where I was to where I am now. And throughout this episode, we're going to fully dive into what that takes to really change your life around and take that leap to make a hobby into a full-time job. What are the challenges? How does it Mm -hmm. affect you? Um, Like with imposter syndrome, you know, we both went from being kind of on the personal assistant side to things to being in the front and being the talent side. So we can see both ends of the spectrum, which I think is really fascinating about the two of us. And just to inspire other people that you can do it too. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. both of us never expected our lives to be what it is today. You know, I have a best-selling cookbook. I have, I teach cheese classes all online and around America and going overseas. You know, I have created this community and this um, trend that now exists Mm -hmm. online of building cheese and charcuterie boards and and doesn't get old. <laughs> just getting started. Yeah. I mean, to echo what Marissa said, I think if we can do it with a dog and with cheese. Yeah. Dog and cheese. <laughs> and and find a way to create and carve this path. Um, I hope we can inspire other people to do the same with their passions as, you know, kind of crazy as it may feel in the beginning. If you've got a busy schedule, it could be hard to get all of your nutrients on the go. Even if you had the time to juice vegetables or eat a massive salad, you might not love the taste of dark leafy greens. As we all know, a lack of nutrition can lead to low energy, bad moods, and all sorts of long-term issues. That's why Organifi makes it easy to fill your life with more nutrition using delicious superfood blends. Add a scoop to a glass of water to energize and nourish your day with carefully picked adaptogens, fruits, vegetables, medicinal mushrooms, and more. It's one of the easiest healthy choices you can make each day. My recent favorite is the Organifi Green Juice, which is full of 11 superfoods to reset the body, including ashwagandha, corella, beets, turmeric, wheatgrass, and more. As someone who is constantly surrounded by cheese, bread, and all of that goodness, I need healthy greens to balance out my diet and my day. So Organifi Green Juice has been great for me. It's so delicious, mixed into even just a simple cup of water, and it makes me feel like I have all the nutrients I need to jumpstart my day. So here at Diving In, we have a special offer for all of our listeners, and that's 20% off all products. So go to Organifi.com slash Diving In. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com slash Diving In for 20% off all products. Let us know when you try them. They are so tasty, and I'd love to know what you think. So 
What was your job exactly before you left for Doug the Pug? Yeah, so I worked at an artist management company in Nashville. Um, I was a personal assistant and then became like the director of new media. So in a way, I really dealt with marketing, PR, um, the behind the scenes of artist management. So I always say that it was the boot camp that prepared me for what I do with Doug the Pug now. Um, it really gave me the knowledge and the power and just organizational skills, um, how to reach out to people and ask for something when you want it and need it. Um, but also it really set me up to know what it took to like run social media accounts for mm -hmm. a brand because you know musicians at the end of the day are a brand totally um and so it was when i created all of the encompassing doug the pug accounts that things really started happening so that job you know it was um it was tough i mean i was in college i was young i could barely afford chipotle at the time um i lived in a really really dingy apartment and was going to college and going to school. And, um, you know, I dedicated a lot of my life to other people. And in my core, in my gut, I knew I was meant to do something for myself. Mm -hmm. So I, I knew that it wasn't a forever thing. But I feel like if I didn't take this leap, I very well could have gotten not trapped because we always can find our own way out if we really want to um, of a job. But uh yeah, I, I just knew in my core and in my gut that it was time. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's funny because similarly, mm -hmm. in, I feel like our lives are kind of mirrored it's... in a way, which is so bizarre. Um, when I was working at The Late Show, I did so much for John Batiste. You know, I ran mm -hmm. all of his social media. Uh, I tour managed him on the road. I creative directed projects for him. Um, I did so many things that really did translate over to that cheese plate. And while I was in this job, I was running that cheese plate on the side the entire time. Mm -hmm. So I started that cheese plate in college in 2014, basically as this passion project, hobby Instagram. And I kept up with it as I was working with John Batiste until 2019. So there would be times at my job where, you know, I took everything I learned from artist management and from I studied music business in college. So similarly Same. to you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, learned so much about music and how artists build their brands and translated that to cheese. So I needed a logo. I wanted a merch store. Right. I wanted to teach cheese classes like live events and stuff like that. So ended up doing that alongside my job at The Late Show. And I vividly remember these times where I had these cheese hats and cheese tote bags oh, and I yes. shipped them out from underneath my desk at work. So I would get a few orders a day, you know, not too many. And I'd be at the late show packaging up these little boxes of cheese hats and shipping them out using the late shows like outbox, you know, so funny. Um, and just kind of like having this double life for so mm -hmm. long at work, um, doing a combination of music and cheese. And for me, I always say like with with this whole business before it became a true business and before I left my job, it really was this relaxing, almost like meditative hobby for me. You know, like I would go on tour with John, I would be working seven days a week. There was times that I would literally work like 42 days in a row with no day off. And then a day mm -hmm. I had off, I would be in my apartment with natural light and music playing and just make a cheese plate and just calm down. And it was like such a nice way for me to connect with friends, you know, bring people over. Everyone eats around the cheese plate. We all talk. We all have deep conversations. And it was something that really felt so enriching and so soul focused. You know, it was yeah. like I loved my job in music, but at the same time, a lot that we did was just, you know, pedal to the metal, 
working so hard, working so long, and there's no time to stop. And there's no time to really think about, you know, what you're doing because it's moving so fast. And I think that a lot of people in the entertainment industry feel that way. You know, it's really hard to just like stop and look around you sometimes because everything is moving so quickly and there's so much pressure and there's so much, so many eyes on you. So when I made my cheese plates, it was that time for me to really just slow down in the present moment. And that translated to what my whole book was about. And for me, the leap that I took was when I um, got a book deal and ended up being able to leave my job because of Mm -hmm. that But the process to get there, I was rejected by 25 different publishers over the span of three years. It was just, you know, it wasn't easy and it's not easy. But when you get to that point where, like you said, you you intuitively felt that you needed to leave this job and that the time was done for you. Similarly for me, I knew that like this passion project felt so good to do and I wanted to keep doing it on a larger scale. And then the opportunities kind of presented themselves, which was pretty cool. It's amazing when you're really passionate about something, the type of gratification that you get from it. Yeah. Because in the beginning for both of us, it's like very similar thing how you said you were, you know, shipping things out from under your desk. Like when my boss would leave the room, I would like check on Doug's Instagram or like find a photo and post it. And it was just like the most high, like exciting feeling. Um, and it's, it's amazing how, when you put your time into that, it's like the universe is like, this is really the path that you're meant to take. Yeah. But like, you know, the entertainment industry is not the most think it's a very thinkless job. Totally. But now we're working for ourselves Mm -hmm. and it's like, we can thank ourselves for like putting all of this effort and work and all of the steps that led us here. Totally. Yeah. It's such a different mindset working for yourself versus someone else. And we were talking about this earlier too. You know, it's it's such a crazy change and shift in perspective to be behind the scenes and be the assistant and, you know, make life run for another person mm-hmm. for so many years and then have to do it for yourself and kind of feel like this weird balance of, okay, what is life? What is work now? Mm-hmm. Like, do I have – is oh there an gosh. in-between? Because now – I put so much time in working for another person. Now it's for myself and I have to be my own boss and I have to put these boundaries up for myself, which is, we'll get into that later on. But to go back a little bit, when you took the leap to quit your job and work, I mean, just take Doug the Pug to the next level and this video went viral, what was like the next step after that happened? Yeah, so... I was really into graphic design at the time, and I thought I was telling people, like, I'm I'm going to start my own graphic design company. But in reality, I really knew that I was going to try and take Doug the Pug to the next level. Um, and at the time, I had only made $500 off of, like, a photo shoot that a company, a travel company hired me to do of Doug around Nashville. So still extremely broke, just made $500. Um I ended up getting approached by a um, publisher and it was a horrible deal. I Mm. remember I didn't know anything about like I took law in business, uh, music business. There was like a law class. I don't remember any of it. I don't know how I really passed. passed, Oh, gosh. (laughs) Math. Still have nightmares. Um, And I knew that it was a bad uh, deal. And so I reached out to a friend who had a lawyer friend. And she was like, all right, well, if I'm going to help you with this, like you have – I have to like be your lawyer. Like you have to sign a contract. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Sure. And so she ended up 
also being a book agent. She was a lawyer and a book agent. And so she looked at this deal and she's like, this is really bad. Like, do you want to do this? Like, I can pitch you to other companies. And so she did. And we got a book deal and it totally changed our lives. I mean, we ended up doing like a world book tour. And like, I still remember our first meet and greet was like totally we we created it. It wasn't for the book. It wasn't for anything. But we went to New York City. Like after I quit my job, it was like my first trip after quitting my job and having a schedule that was totally up to me. And it was just such an exciting time. The video just went viral. Doug went from 13,000 followers on Facebook to in a month, 1 million. What? That's crazy. So it was so fast. I mean, we were on the Good Morning America, the Today Show, and we were like, if we're going to be in New York City, we have to have a meet and greet. So I made a little graphic with my graphic design and put up like Doug the Pug in Central Park, meet here from 3 to 5 p.m., something like that, 5 to 7, whatever. I expected like 10 people to show up. When Rob and I walked down that hill, and we still have photos of this, there were hundreds of people oh lined gosh. up screaming for our – I'm getting oh. chills just talking about it – screaming for our dog. And it was like that moment that I was like, holy shit. It clicked. It clicked. <laughs> it's happening. And like that whole week we went to like all these press, like Cosmopolitan, and it was just like – Oh my God, like it was such a rush and it was so fun. And we had so many memories of like mm-hmm. me and Rob and Doug all together. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. And it was just those first few months were so scary. Yeah. Oh, you totally. know, and that's the thing is like a lot of people see on social media, like, oh, like she quit her job. It all, it all worked out. Yeah. But like they don't see the behind the scenes of like the total doubt and the imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. and just other people their projections because it's like with what both of you and I do it's not a a normal thing no and that's what I also want to preface in this podcast like what our jobs are are very niche and (laughs) are very avant-garde as you can say and it's something like although you know not everyone is a dog and cheese influencer we all experience the same human emotions. Yes. And we can all share that on a collective level, you know, of feeling these themes of imposter syndrome, feeling these themes of comparison, feeling like you're not good enough or you're stressed because something happened really quickly and you don't have time to grasp that, you know? I think like with both of our stories, it's interesting because the way that we both kind of, you know, that blue, like blow up moment Mm -hmm. both happened in different ways for us. But um it, you can connect that to all different types of careers along, right. you know, in so many different avenues. Um, it's funny you say with like the whole press boom, because similarly for me, I was working at The Late Show, running my Instagram. Um, I asked you actually in 2017 oh. how to write a book because I remember you're my first friend to publish a book, which I thought was so amazing, <laughs> which still is so amazing. And I was like, Leslie, I really think that you know, cheese could be cheese plates could be great in a book. How did you do it? And you introduced me to your book agent. Mm-hmm. And I teamed up with her, we put together a proposal, we pitched it out to about 25 publishers, and I got rejected by every single one. And all of their excuses were, <sighs> you don't have enough followers, and you don't have enough press. So and, that was like the main thing. And the, that feeling of being rejected when you know, you, this is something that you really want to do is like, heartbreaking it is so difficult but like 
also getting through that and just trusting that, you know, just keep going. Yeah. I mean, it takes I took a lot it, of strength. The thing with that, I feel like, and this is a theme in my life in general, I'm like, I get disappointed for a day and then I'm like, you know what? This is fuel. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take this and run with right. it. Exactly. Like after that. So the concept of the book is cheese by numbers, which is this paint by numbers with cheese method that I created. So cool. I decided to make an Instagram for that as well because I, you know, I was like, if people don't like this concept or if the publishers don't think this is strong enough, I will prove to them that it is. You go to that cheese plate to make a cheese plate. You go to cheese by numbers and that's the step by step to build it. So over time, in about like a month or two, you know, I I got up to about 5,000 followers on Cheese by Numbers. And then I got an email from the Rachel Ray show. And they were like, hey, we found Cheese by Numbers on Instagram. We'd love to have you on the show. I remember this. And I'm like, not that cheese plate, the one I started in 2013. And they're like, two Instagrams is too confusing. We're only going to talk about Cheese by Numbers. And I was like, okay, cool. So I go on Rachel Ray and overnight, similarly, went from 3,000 followers to about 15,000 followers. And that was the moment where I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. there's some sort of momentum happening here. There's something picking up. From there, that point forward, I had an interview um, with Fox Magazine where we talked about how cheese plates are self-care. And then I went on the Today Show and made cheese plates on the Today Show. And then out of the woodwork, Random House comes out and says, hey, have you ever thought to write a cookbook? And it was such a full uh... circle moment. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you guys rejected me, but like, okay. And from that point forward, that was in March of 2019, it was this moment where everything just changed Mm -hmm. all of a sudden. You're like, you felt that build and you feel it growing and you feel it in your intuition. Like, okay, something's happening with this. I don't know what it is. And then it happens and you're like, okay, this is what's happening. And I quit my job and just full force wrote this cookbook. And it's funny because throughout this whole time, um, I'm an avid journaler. And I found some journal entries actually from that time. And I wrote about you. And I said, if your friend can make a business off her dog, you can make a business on cheese, work harder. Wow. And I was like, first of all, Marissa, you're stop being so mean to yourself. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. And it's like you have in like influenced me so much to just like following in your footsteps. And there's such different worlds, cheese and dogs. But the way that you know, we have created these brands and these trends is so special and so cool to see, you know? And you inspire me. I mean, you're like one of the hardest working people I know. And you just, you have a way of just getting it, whether it's aesthetics or just connecting to an audience. And I think one of the things that makes us great friends and now business partners, which is so cool, yeah, is that we ultimately have the greater goal of that togetherness, right? Totally. Bringing people together, you know, at the end of the day, what gives us the fulfillment is not, you know, like how many copies of the book we sell or whatever. Um, it's all about, you know, here from you, I'm sure you hear about families that yeah. come together around a table over Thanksgiving and make a cheese plate and seeing their creation. Oh, like, yeah, it's amazing. That is it's the, the best, best feeling. And same thing with Doug, like, you know, hearing about a family that discovered him on YouTube and seeing or whatever it may be, um, we were definitely put together to to lift each other up and to like reach the masses in our little cool, not even little, our awesome, big, cool ways um, to make people happy. And so I'm just really grateful for you and I'm pumped to be doing this. Likewise. Yeah, that's the thing with with uh, dogs and cheese, you know, <laughs> they really do bring people <laughs> together. And we were talking about this too, like in the sense of 
being a quote unquote influencer and like what that means, it's kind of funny how both of us are not the face of our brands. We mm-hmm. are not fashion influencers or like, not you know, we're we have our you have Doug and I have a cheese play as mm-hmm. the medium, which is actually so interesting. And I think that people can connect to that more because it's attainable. You know, you're like, oh, I have a dog. I could post pictures of my dog and I can like, you know, feel inspired yeah. what with what Doug's doing. And then, oh, I have a grocery store. I can go buy stuff to make a cheese plate. It like connects people in ways that are so much more um, just familiar than, you know, looking at some sort of supermodel looking bot yeah, <laughs> with like yeah. Facetune on a, you know, some sort of, you know, fashion influencer lifestyle, um, which is also an amazing thing. I just, not not my... Totally. And I think, you know, noticing, especially in the past year, like COVID life, you know, um, realizing the joy that I get from posting on Doug's account and that feeling and holding on to that versus the feeling of um, posting on my personal Instagram Mm -hmm. and, you know, ultimately, like whether I want to admit it or not, like you know, seeking validation or whatever it may be. And um, I've really taken a step back from like, you know, feeling like I constantly having have to be posting and it's, it's a really great feeling. And I'm sure we'll, we'll touch more on this in another episode and um, kind of the happenings of, of that. But I think you and I, you know, have, have accounts that bring us joy too. And that's just as important as, you know, not having a job take over your life to the point where you totally lose sight of what made you start in the first place. Definitely. And talking about taking the leap and going freelance, what's been your biggest freelance challenge so far, you think? Man, there it's definitely not been um, all hugs and giggles. <laughs> Although it seems like that? that way. <laughs> oh my God, Rob's laughing in the background. Doug is also snoring, if you guys can hear. Will you snore, Doug? Oh, now he stopped. You'll hear now it. Stopped, it's like very yeah. cathartic, very <laughs> soothing. Um, in the beginning, it was very hard because I'm a people pleaser. I, you know, ultimately, and I'm working on it in therapy, but I care. We what, love therapy. We by love the way. therapy. Um, this is why it's called diving in. <laughs> yeah. Um, I cared too much about what people thought of me. And so I went from this job where I felt like it was really cool, you know, to be working in the music industry and with cool bands. And suddenly I'm, you know, working with my dog and I got mocked for it. I had people that I really looked up to and like trusted and really cared what they thought of me. Um, I'd see tweets or I'd see, you know, hear things and, oh, I heard so-and-so said this. And that was really hard, but I ended up using it as fuel and I Mm -hmm. ended up just kind of like letting it go and realizing that like all I can do is worry about myself and my own path and it worked out. Um, So that was kind of on an emotional level um, difficult, but obviously we've had, we've had our own roadblocks, like getting really, really close with an Mm -hmm. amazing product that was going to be a national, um, it was going to have a national commercial. It was like a dog toy that barked and danced. And it was like this huge thing. And we got to the very end. We signed the contract and then COVID happened and they had to pull out. LOL. COVID. So just – and that's one of many things. I mean, we've we've worked really hard on some things and then they have not worked out yet. Yeah. But I, yet I'm a true believer in timing and everything happening for a reason. And sometimes the worst and hardest things in our life happen um, to get us and catapult us to where we need to be. But I would say definitely like the hardest part 
in the beginning, because I really don't care now, was getting mocked and maybe like hate comments. Yeah. Who can hate on freaking dogs? Really? Man. Like, come on now. Come face, on now. Facebook. Yeah, um, Facebook. <laughs> they, they really... It's interesting because Doug was, you know, one of the first animals to be, like, dressed up online. Oh, true. We see so many now. We're desensitized to it. Yeah. But those first few videos where he was Harry Pugger or, like, dressed up, <laughs> um, people really went in on saying that it was, like, animal abuse oh. and were calling on PETA. And, like, <gasps> it never got to anywhere crazy because um, at the – like, and I will say on the record, like, we – our whole goal is to make sure Doug is the happiest and healthiest he could ever be. Like we wouldn't, oh, we wouldn't literally treated like a prince. He's, I can tell you <laughs> that's that a better life than most people. Um, and we would never put him in any scenarios that made him uncomfortable. So that was hard to see too, because it's like, he's my baby and I can totally empathize with like mom shaming on Instagram. It felt a lot like that. It was like, I, I know you know, the limits here. Like, yeah. I know when to stop things. And so when people were, like, totally questioning my character as a dog mom, that was really hard. But yeah, that is hard. It doesn't really happen anymore. So that's good. That's good. Yeah, I was saying, you know, going back to COVID and just the way that it's changed so much in the world. And, um, you know, it's been such an awful thing that hopefully we'll be getting better by mm -hmm. the time this podcast is out. Um, it really messed up my book plan. That's for sure. Ugh. So uh, go, talking about a challenge in freelance life. Mm -hmm. So I quit my full-time job in March of 2019. And then I went into full-blown book writing mode. And with this cookbook, I decided to do everything myself because I don't know, maybe I like being in control too much, <laughs> which we both experience. Um, and I decided to take all the photos on my own using my iPhone and were they really yep every photo i did not know that that yeah. is so impressive i mean everyone who's listening needs to go to amazon right now and get marissa's um book that cheese plate will change your life i'm gonna do a shameless little <laughs> oh, plug because it is <laughs> it is amazing and we've like even walked into some stores around nashville and seen it anyways i'm i'm blown <laughs> away because i did not know it was iphones i thought you like had a professional rig or something yeah so what happened was i take all my photos most of my photos on instagram with my iphone and i love the way they look so i asked my public publisher if the quality was high enough and she was like yeah it it works fine go for it so it was great because I was able to do it all in my own time mm -hmm. and over three months I would wake up I took all the photos on my little white table in my Brooklyn apartment next to a big window I would go to the farmer's market go to the grocery stores buy my groceries make like four plates a day take all wow. the photos it was my entire life and existence for three months like writing 15,000 words for the book, recipe developing, taking all these photos, doing the cheese plates, having cheese parties every weekend to give the cheese away to my friends because I had oh so much cheese gosh. in my fridge that I did not know what to do with it. Um, and it was such a labor of love. And the thing is, like when we go into further episodes talking about creativity and how creativity is almost like a spiritual thing, this whole process, I can't even remember it happening because it flew flew it flowed so easily like out of me you know like writing this and taking the photos and making these cheese plates obviously in the moment it was really hard but it, it didn't feel like I was pushing against anything it just really yeah. easily came out so that being said first cookbook so excited we had this huge plan to launch it. it was supposed to be on the today show we had all this press lined up and the book was being printed in China 
So January, I get a call from my publisher and they're like, hey, um, we have some news. There's this virus that's going around and this plant where your book is being printed at is closing because of this virus. So we're going to have to push your release date back from February to May. I was like, oh, man, okay, you know, that's fine. We still got the book tour planned. I planned a 16 city book tour, taking everything I learned from all around, partnering with hotels, taking everything I learned from, again, music business, applying Mm -hmm. it to cheese. Um, I had cheese parties and cheese classes planned, partnering with all these different hotels and um, did the whole book tour myself because publishers don't really help with that aspect, which is what you learn later Yeah, on. we had to do the same. Yeah. So had this whole thing booked, everything planned. And then obviously March happens and every single hotel emails me and they're like, hey, we're canceling. Sorry. We don't know what's happening. And I didn't know what's happening either. No. So having that book tour cancel and having my release happened during covid obviously at the time felt like a massive setback Mm -hmm. that being said little did i know it was probably the best thing that could have ever happened because now everyone is online and everyone's watching and i really cultivated my community by doing instagram happy hours where i would give give everyone a shopping list to buy supplies and we built cheese plates together and you were one of my guests on that which was so fun fun. we did dog-friendly cheese plate and then the book came out and everyone was in their home so having this activity that was a something to do you know go to the grocery store make a cheese plate with your family and then also a a way to really just be grounded and practice that kind of meditative Mm self-care by cutting a cucumber or folding a salami river it really did resonate with so many people and i think like with what we said setbacks always end up being such growth opportunities and being such amazing ways for you to have a different perspective and in the moment it feels so hard and it sucks and you're just like oh man why is this happening but then when you look back you're like thank god that happened because without that i would not be where i am today with that setback and and finding ways to adapt totally like just going steadfast and knowing like i'm not gonna let this change everything i just have to find a different way and like you said sometimes that way ends up being what it was meant to be i mean it always ends up being what it was meant to be all along um and just the fact that we were all in our homes and your book brought you know all the families together and we're able to make cool cheese plates. i know i made them here at home um my family did too so that's amazing um so i have a question for you what were your biggest challenges going freelance? Biggest challenges, probably, I mean, we were talking about this earlier, like sometimes with a creative mind, you lack in other departments. And <laughs> for me, that is when it comes to admin and accounting. Um, and I think in the beginning, I was trying to do everything on my own because again, like being in control and don't like delegating work to other people just because I don't know how and trusting and trusting yeah trusting someone with the process but um definitely like within the first you know few months as I was getting brand deals coming in I realized that I really needed a lawyer Mm -hmm. and I had a lawyer through my agency but then in COVID they ended up um telling me that I couldn't use their lawyer anymore and I found one that you know, was charging me way too much. And I just like didn't know the prices. I didn't know the hourly. There's so many things that you just don't know. <laughs> they don't write a book on this stuff. Yeah, that's for and sure. I would like ask my dad because he he practiced law like 
insurance law 20 years ago. And he's like, I don't know what the rate is for <laughs> brand deals. I'm like, ah. um, but definitely like figuring out how to find a team around you that you trust that, you know, isn't going to be sketchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been through a lot of different people on my team just because not everyone has worked out. Um, but, you know, finding a lawyer, finding accountant, finding um, a business manager or, you know, same thing. Um, that was probably the biggest challenge at first to kind of lock that in and feel like I had a solid support group around me because once everything started to kind of pick up and get a little busier, it was too much to handle on my own. So doing that was a challenge, but then also helped long-term. Yeah. Learning to delegate when it's something so close to you and Mm -hmm. it's something that's like our brands are our babies, you know, it's like, it's so hard to um, find the right fits and make sure that, you know, they're, they're people you can trust. But then once you find those people, they'll stick with you forever. Definitely. And one thing that wasn't a challenge, which I thought would be was, you know, it's your freelance, you work for yourself. Like you could do whatever you want during the day. I'm like, I'm going to plan out every day and be the most productive person I could possibly be. I'm like, here's my to-do list. I have to check off every box. Like, meanwhile, we're the people like working on Christmas. Yeah, literally. Man. That's another thing that we'll dive into later, how to separate that boundary. Um, Do you feel like that creativity is a spiritual practice in a way? Oh, my gosh. A hundred percent. I find that if I am not centered and I'm not aligned and I'm totally not grounded in my, you know, I'm just scattered my creativity is totally hitting a roadblock. Yeah. Um, and it is just pure anxiety and frustration and fear. Um, I encounter fear a lot. I think I think we all do, especially with um, kind of where the world is at right now. But absolutely. And, you know, I create a lot with my husband. We're, we're partners and we, you know, do dog the pug together. So if Rob is like very aligned and I'm not, he can like recognize that in me and we, you know, find ways to to turn that around, whether it be like getting grounded or going for a walk or getting meditative or um, me even just talking to him and telling him like, I know this sounds crazy, but this is what I'm afraid of. And once we kind of get all of that out of the way and we're both just in a really great place um, everything flows and yeah, the that, best that ideas come. <laughs> I'm in the shower and I've got like all these things coming in my head. I'm like, write this down. Yes. Um, so it, it's totally, totally, in my opinion, um, absolutely connected. Yeah, I agree. When I'm like, when I'm making cheese plates in the zone, it sounds so funny because you're just like, yeah, when I'm just making some cheese plates. But truly, like when I am in my apartment with my, my natural light coming in, my music playing, I just go into this like transcendental state (laughs) and I'm just zoned out in the best way. And it's just such a peaceful place to exist. And a lot of people feel that way when they're watercoloring or when they're, you know, doing some sort of art form. It really does transcend you into this relaxing spiritual plane, which I big magic, Liz Gilbert, great book. That's all about feeling the creative spark. So do you feel afraid of the future of your business as we dive in man (laughs) see um earlier i said you know i i deal with a lot of fear and this is something i've been personally more open with and even um open with on doug's instagram but as sad as it is for me to say in ways like there's an expiration date on 
my business. Um, and it's heartbreaking and it's scary, but it's reality. And I can choose to either live in that mindset mm-hmm. of, you know, one day Doug will pass on or I can live in the now and be like, holy shit, this is the most amazing experience I could ever have with this dog. He's yeah. my best friend. We're going to make the most of it and live every day like it's our freaking last. And, you know, it's been a hard thing to deal with. Um, you know, I have random people say, so what are you going to do when he dies? Just so point blank. Yeah. And it feels like the biggest stab in like the gut. Like he's a commodity. And yes, just like, exactly. Yeah. Oh, you're not going to replace him? Yeah. I mean, the questions that even people at the airport are, you know, public speaking is pretty hard for me. It's something that once I'm doing it, I feel comfortable, but I have to work up to it. And I've had public speaking gigs where at the very end, you open it up to questions and some guy stands up and says it and like mocks me. No. And it really hurts, but I'm at the point now where I've accepted and I, I think I'm spiritually at a place where I, I just know that he truly is always connected with me and his soul was put in my life for a reason. But turning that around into, you know, we have to live every day. Like, we're so freaking grateful and practice that gratitude and just live in the joy. Because if we're living in the future, then it's happened twice. Yeah. If every day I'm thinking how much it's going to to break my freaking soul when that day comes, then I'm living it every day yeah. leading up to that day. And I'm just not going to do that anymore. It's a hard no for me. Yeah. Um. And, you know, we, from a business standpoint, I mean, we're, you know, we're, it's, it's awesome right now. It's amazing. Things are moving along. He was just in a movie. Um. We have a lot of plans for, you know, an animated series to, immortalize him forever not to mention the foundation that's something that it's huge i'm gonna do that for the rest of my life like i will always have that foundation running and helping people and focusing on the now is that has been the biggest lesson for me from this and instead of getting so upset when someone asks me that i kind of look at them in a place of compassion because Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I know the bond that we have with this amazing dog, and I know how lucky I've been to be able to travel the world with him, to yeah. spend every day with him, to to know an animal in a way that I've never been able to have that connection before. So Animals, if anything, really do force you to live in the present moment. Mm-hmm. And you just see how they act, too. It's like they live in the present moment. Oh, They're yeah. They're so excited to see you. They they It's minute by minute with dogs, which is – and, you know, lots of animals, which is just so beautiful about their spirit and about just what they are. It's They teach you such valuable lessons when you and have dogs. It's really funny you asked me that because, you know, to flip it around, it's like cheese. It just cheese, gets on the other better hand. with age and it matures <laughs> – and I feel like you can say a lot about that in your personal life. I mean, yeah, totally. I feel like my life has aged like a fine cheese, you know? <laughs> What's a cheese that ages? I don't, I need, I, I feel, feel like, like a really sharp Parmesan, you ooh, know? Like a good Parm. Yeah, a good Parmigiano Reggiano. Um, yeah, I feel like, you know, the question, I, we posed it in this way of like, are you afraid of the future? Just because fear is such a difficult emotion to, process and I've been really trying to operate in 
a non-fear-based mindset, you know? It's like, and that's living in the present. You know, fear is an anxiety about the future. Mm-hmm. Present, you can just, you know, take it day by day. And with my brand, it's funny because I feel like every day I'm pivoting. <laughs> I'm yeah. just like, you know, today I feel like doing this. Tomorrow I feel like doing this. I definitely am in the process of writing a second book, which is really exciting, but just growing this brand to be something more than just a cheese plate, you know, making it more about gatherings and events and hosting and traveling. You know, I really want to do like a cheese plate travel documentary show and just explore the culture and the history behind cheese. Because I think with social media and with this whole charcuterie trend, cheese plates have become pretty maximalist in a Mm -hmm. way. You know, it's like, who can make the biggest, craziest Christmas tree looking charcuterie board for Christmas, which I have been there. I've done it. But at this point, I want to take it back down to earth. Let's pick apart these pieces and figure out where they came from. Where is this Gruyere from? What is the history of Alpine style cheeses in Switzerland? Let's learn about the people who make this cheese. Let's learn about their past because a cheese plate is just inviting you to learn more about the individual parts and the cultures that go beneath it and behind it. And also how that cheese plate can bring together a room in the present moment. You know, Mm -hmm. the best moments of my life have been sitting at a kitchen table with a cheese plate, having deep conversations with my friends, just enjoying each other's presence. So that energy of just connectiveness and the energy of gatherings, especially in the post-COVID world, is something that I really want to focus on in the future with that cheese plate. Um, And yeah, you know, cheese, cheese just gets better with age, so... I'm excited for the journey. We're so excited for you all to be listening to the podcast. We have so many amazing guests. <laughs> We're keeping we're gonna, this in. Don't I, cut this. <laughs> we're going to have one podcast episode that's just Doug snoring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, we have so many amazing guests coming up and you are in for such a treat. It's just going to be such a fun time to talk to everyone in the entertainment industry and just listen to what they're going through and listen to their struggles and their successes along the way. We're so excited and just want to use this platform to be as open and real and honest as possible because, you know, in the world of social media and entertainment, there's so such a mask and we want to remove that mask and get to the core of just humanness at the end of the day like if if this past year has taught us anything it's that we're all human and we need each other and so we need real conversations we need to learn from each other and um i think this is going to be really fun Let's dive in, baby. Thank you so much for listening to our very first episode of the Diving In Podcast with Leslie and Marissa. You can go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Diving In Pod and also follow our respective accounts at That Cheese Plate and It's Doug the Pug. We're so grateful for all of you who have taken your time out of your day to listen to us talk about our lives and our journeys. And we have just so much exciting stuff coming up for you. So thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, guys. Let's dive out. Let's dive out. (laughs) Let's float away. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Diving In. This show is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and edited by Chris McCone. The theme song is by Rob Schinelli. As always, if you liked this episode, please share us with your friends and family and give us a five-star review and hit that subscribe button to be reminded when a new episode comes out. If you have any questions for the show, our email is info at divingin.community. 
To stay up to date with all things Diving In, you can follow us on Instagram at divinginpod or visit us online by going to divingin.community. See you next time.